Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Well, Leadville family, today we have Canadian triathlete Angela Nath with us today. She's had numerous successes, including 1970.3 titles to her name, 36 podiums, and five plus podiums on the full Ironman. Uh, she also has three full Ironman wins, all under nine hours. What does this mean? She's the perfect candidate to come hunting for the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. Though we are just beyond the event, I caught up with Angela just before and would love for you to hear what she has to say about Leadville finding her. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Well, Angela, when did Leadville find you? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I have heard about Leadville 100 Mountain Bike Race for many, many years. And I was up there a few years ago with some friends and fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. Um, It's a huge challenge. It's at 10,000 feet plus. And uh, it's just a race that's always been on my radar. Um, So it definitely found me probably a decade ago. (laughs) Well, that actually kind of makes my day because I didn't have much experience with the triathlon side of life. And when we sold the races to Lifetime, I started hearing your name all the time and, you know, really loved hearing more about that, uh, the longer distances than what we were covering, which was more the Olympics. So I think it's really cool that it's always been on your radar and we're really excited to have you. Um, so I often ask my guests if they've had any interest, if, if they've been interested and had an athletic interest all their life, but with a tri wrap sheet like yours, I'm guessing that you may not have had a memory. You may not have a memory of not being active. Is that the case? That is 100% the case. When I was a kid, I used to make races around my backyard with my neighbors. (laughs) I've always been active. Definitely. I mean, that's really awesome. What got you into triathlon and beyond that, what got you into the endurance side of triathlon? Yeah, I was a track athlete for college. I, I was in Division One uh, University of Missouri and just found myself riding my bike more and more. Um, I loved all three sports. I was a lifeguard and swim instructor when I was um, in high school. And I saw a triathlon, actually an Ironman, on TV. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, where you could just swim, bike, run. Uh, but it wasn't until after a couple of years after college that I decided to just jump in one. Um, the, biggest, the biggest motivation for it was just to be active and really just to see what it was all about. Um, so I did a local event and fell in love with it. I ended up winning the event, not knowing what I was doing. Um, and that just pretty much 
motivated me to see what this sport was all about. And so I got a coach and went to a few training camps. Um, one of the coaches that I worked with uh, when I first started saw my potential on the bike and just said, you know, you could go pro in this. And so he helped me uh, dive into that side of things. And I eventually got my pro card and started racing. Um, in terms of the longer distance stuff, I'm, I'm a diesel engine. And so the, so the longer, the better for me. So I mm-hmm. usually uh, find myself uh, way back at the beginning of races <laughs> and then slowly taking them away as I get to the finish line. So the longer, the better. That's why Leadville um, has always been on my radar. Um, I just think it's a fantastic event and a very challenging event. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, for sure. Now, and you, so you won your first triathlon, but you must have felt pretty strong in every discipline to decide to just stay jumped right in get a coach all that was was that the case or was there anything you felt weak in you must have been a very strong runner um I was a runner and I had some knack on the bike already um I I'm not sure why but I I put it toward my dad was a bodybuilder when I was growing up so I did leg weights all the time and (laughs) when I would have to get to track practice I would ride my mountain bike and back then it was about an hour there and back because um, we lived way out in the boondocks. <laughs> so uh, swimming swimming is still a challenge, I would say. <laughs> um, I wish I had I was in swim uh, swimming more when I was a kid because it really is um, a very technique oriented um, aspect of the sport. Um, so. I can swim, definitely, obviously, but uh, I wish I always had a little bit more time when I was younger with it. (laughs) Well, if there's one to be weak at, you pick the best one to be weak at, I think. I guess, yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's the start of the the sport, so you really want to make gains on the bike and run, for sure. Well, now, for those of our Leadville family that don't exactly know who you are, which I don't think that really is a thing, but you've had ni- 19 70.3 titles and 36 podiums. You've had five-plus full Ironman podiums and three full Ironman wins. How, mm-hmm. how do you stay that committed that driven and how do you keep that high level focus over that kind of time frame well it's a pure love for the sport i mean i find sport in general especially riding bikes the only way that i found in my life where i can get connected with my with myself and challenge myself and see what i got um it's, it's a way of connecting mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And when you're out racing, it's, it's like you put it all out on the line. And it's, it's the most amazing feeling if you just give it 100% because that's really all you can do. And so I'm, a, I'm quite addicted to that, <laughs> I guess you could say. And I mean, it, you know, I, I call riding my bike my church. Um, uh-huh. I, you know, it's, it's just a way to get my mind refocused and uh, um it's a way of life for me i mean i love being active and uh, being able to use my body as much as i can and share that and support others doing that as well so 
Well, yes, and the the church observation, yes, we always called it dirt church. So though different disciplines, oh. <laughs> very similar life of mind. Now, yep. in in this time frame, have you battled uh, many injuries at all? Oh gosh, you could I could probably uh, <laughs> name twenty. <laughs> um, I've broken bones. I've um, had stress fractures. I've had crashes. Um, I had a bout of Lyme disease. I was diagnosed in 2018 and really battled that for a long, long time, um, on and off medication because the, the infection would come back. And so that was really, really rough. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been through the whirlwind. Well, and I for sure want to dig more into the Lyme disease in a minute, but when you get these injuries, uh, how do you keep your focus through those times? Are you studying the sport? Are you teaching the sport? Are you coaching the sport? Yeah, so I I have a coaching business and I coach a number of athletes, so that really keeps me preoccupied. Um, I have two teams, uh, women and endurance teams. One is called I race like a girl, which is more based on triathlon. And then, uh, girls get gritty, which, um, is more gravel and mountain bike. And so they keep me, they keep me really, really busy. Um, and I think when you're injured, you have to find other outlets. Uh And so being able to help support others is is a key component of that. And it, and it, and it gives me so much joy, quite honestly. Yes. And, um, so that's one whole aspect of that. And then the other aspect is, I mean, it's as cliche as it is, you, you have to do what you can do and, and, and see alternatives. And so the great thing about triathlon is it's three sports. Um, there's always something to work on. There's always strength, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can always stay active in a, in a way that's possible um, for you at that time. Um, but, I mean, that's needless to say, it's extremely hard going through injury sometimes, especially Lyme disease is tough, broken bones that were misdiagnosed. Oh, for sure. Um, I had yes. Surgery on my foot. I mean, it's a mental battle, and I and I look back at the times when things were really rough, and it's really changed my mindset. Um, I used to be very, um, like my ego was on the line a lot of the times, you know, because uh-huh. like as a as a racer, you want to do well, and and but then going through all this health issues and stuff, it just my whole perspective of what sport is has completely changed and I'm so grateful for it. It's, it's really, it's, it's about you and the course and the race and about challenging yourself and seeing what you got and, you know, changing that whole aspect. That was when I went to world championships in Kona. Um, I had that mindset and I had the best race of my life. And it was just, that's where I want to get back to every single start line. Now it's, it's that feeling of just letting go of everything and just seeing what you got on race day and just being grateful that you're there. I mean, it's, it's really, um, a gift. And I think a lot of people lose that aspect sometimes when, um, they focus on outside, um, influences. Well, yeah, I think it's amazing that you're sharing that with us. And I'm still trying to put that into perspective as we talk about it, that as a pro, you can go in with that focus and come out with that result after that kind of challenge. So I think that's a good vulnerability for our racers, for sure. Um, And I'd also like to get back to 
the communities you created, the businesses such mm-hmm. as I Race Like a Girl and Girls Get Gritty, we have a lot of trail running ladies and we've partnered with trail sisters and and tried to open more in that aspect. But it seems like with running, it really is catching on. So, uh, you know, girls in sport really has a little more minimum, it seems like, than in like dirt cycling, for instance. Mm, so mm-hmm. how how can our female racers on either side of the fence get more involved with these kind of communities? Oh, gosh, yeah. We are growing like weeds, actually. We have a really good community all over um, the country with regional managers and directors that kind of help support activations and events for the team, for the team members. And so if they, if they want to check that out, you just go to, girlsgetgritty.com or iracelikeagirl.com. I'm launching a new website here and the teams launch in September, actually. So that would be a great time to kind of check into that. Um, But my biggest goal with these these teams is I do a couple camps. Um, It's really about educating and inspiring and meeting people. Like, uh-huh. As a pro, I was traveling all over the country and, and you know, living all over places. And I've met many, many people. And the whole um, thought process behind the team was I wanted to give back. And it was so hard to find a community as well. And so I thought, well, I'm going to make my own. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up progressing it. And I've met some of my best friends on that team. Um, you know, it, it's just been really, really um a positive thing in my life um that's really changed part of me you know it's Mm -hmm. um it's it's been really fantastic and it's always great to see members at different races we try to do meetups and um make sure we connect everybody that's going to certain races so we have a couple actually racing leadville and a couple racing steamboat so it's kind of fun because there's a few that i haven't met before and so we're going to be able to meet before the race and have a big breakfast and Okay. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Now, are either of these ladies doing the lead boat or two and two? Or <laughs> um, no one is doing lead boat. Okay. Um, Al- yeah, yeah. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at this point, you've also taken that passion even a bit further, if I'm not mistaken, this year by starting um, a podcast. Is that true yes. as well? Yes. So my friend that I met on the team, actually, my best friend, Amy Woods, and I uh, live really close to each other. And we thought, what a fantastic opportunity to really just share stories and inspire others and and get like um, some professional and like minded individuals on the podcast. Uh, So we started that in January. We have about 32 episodes uh, and it's been so much fun. I mean, it's (laughs) It's really fun to have a podcast and be able to um, share all sorts of things from endurance to nutrition to being a female in sport to Mm -hmm. um, everything. So it's been fun. Well, and it, you know, it sure has. I mean, for me as well. And, you know, I'm really curious having such a successful pro career that's still going and these other aspects where you're giving back and and being rewarded through that at this point mm-hmm. which are you more passionate about or which are you be finding yourself more full with that's a very good question um i have yet to fine tune one thing <laughs> um i think it's 
I think it's accumulative, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't want to not have my teams. I wouldn't want to not have my podcast, my coaching. I love coaching athletes. Um, I've really built that up, and I just it's so much fun to follow along and help support people. You know, I had um, a couple race last weekend, and it's, it's just so rewarding to see other people really push themselves mm-hmm. and challenge themselves and find a whole new level. And it's all about confidence. And, you know, I've had people that – thought they could never even finish a triathlon and be able to finish one and now doing Ironmans and you know I've had athletes jump from triathlon into gravel which is my biggest push for sure because it is so much fun Um, and so it's really an accumulative effect I think of everything and I think if you have an outlet in different areas I I find my life a lot more um, full in that sense that's really neat. And then also on the the kind of flip side, you've also had some really amazing sponsors along the way. And oh, gosh, yeah, some yeah. of those even overlap with us. So before we go into more of your deeper stories, are there any of those you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been with Shimano for many, many years. They started with my career about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and they've always believed in me, even through all my illnesses and support and my teams um i mean i have a number of sponsors that are like that the most recent one is ufos um i met them gosh where was it uh world championships actually in uh st george this this past year when they moved it and you know i was always a user of ufos and i really wanted to just connect with the team there and see if there was opportunity to help support other women and see what i could do and uh it just kind of grew from there and um uh, I mean, if you've never been in a pair of UFOs, <laughs> you, you, you got to get in them because honestly, every time after I run, it's the first thing I put on because my feet are so sore and my body and it, it truly is a recovery tool. And I'm not just saying that, like, that's why I reached out to them. Uh, every time after Ironman, it's the only thing I can wear because my feet are all swollen and, and it just honestly helps recover the legs. I just absolutely love them. So. Well, I'm, I wear them everywhere. <laughs> I'm actually using them now too, for sure. So I do think they are wonderful as well. They've been great to us, as has Shimano, who's now also yeah. jumped on our on board with us as well. So, okay, let's skip back a little bit. Let's get back to yeah. 2018 and your Kona finish, which was an 8:37:54. And I mean, that just seems daunting enough, but the fact that you had this diagnosis of Lyme disease before that, can you really dig into that for us and tell us what that, what really that diagnosis was about and how you still have to manage that today? Yeah. Lyme disease is a very um, misunderstood disease. It's basically a bacterial infection that comes from ticks. Um, and with Lyme disease, you can have a lot of other co-infections. So you can have Bartonella, uh, Babesia, there's others, at least like 20. Um, so when I first started getting symptoms, I had really enlarged lymph nodes under my armpits. I was flu-like. Um, and at the time with my boyfriend, I was like, what's happening? And, you know, we just kind of let the time to see what was going on if I would recover and I did but then two months later I started getting aches and pains 
there was a time I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, it really hits your system in all different ways. My muscles would turn into bricks. Like it was, it was terrible. I thought I had MS. I, I went to Boston children's, uh, to get diagnosed and no one could figure it out. The medical system, when they test Lyme, it's, it's really not very good testing at all. Cause you have to get certain bands yeah. and, uh, you, so I had to go outside the box and go to all this different type of testing myself um, because we couldn't find a diagnosis. And finally, I went to a doctor that really knew Lyme disease and right away said, I think you have Lyme disease and I'm going to do all these different tests on you. Uh, one was in Germany. Um, and lo and behold, I had co-infections, Lyme disease, all sorts of things. So once you get diagnosed, you have to go on a slew of antibiotics. And it's not just doxycycline. It's a variety of stuff. And because it was in my system for so long, um, it really took a long process to get through. And I got to a point in 2018 um, where my coach at the time said, so what do you want to get out of this year? And I said, I really want to get to Kona. And at the time, it was a point system. So you would go and collect points at certain races. And so I literally raced six Ironmans with Lyme disease, progressing to get healthy within like nine weeks. And I got on to Kona oh, start line. Yeah. So I was extremely <laughs> like, extremely grateful just to be there. At the time I was, I was healthy enough. The, the, I didn't know as much as I know now, uh, in terms of the education about taking antibiotics, but uh-huh. I stopped my antibiotics cause I was feeling great. And race Kona had a phenomenal race, placed eighth. It was one of the best races I've ever had. And a um, few months later, all my symptoms came back. And so the thing with Lyme disease, especially long-term, you have to be on long-term antibiotics. And over the last three or four years, I've really learned, I could probably write a, like <laughs> a PhD in this stuff because I have been through the gamut with it. And um my last two Lyme tests that I did in Germany have been negative, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah. I've had to manage it ups and downs because you just it, it's really hard to test and to know that you have the in, entire infection out of you. And you may or may not ever have it out of you, but you have to manage it. And so long-term antibiotics um, have been part of my regimen for quite some time. <laughs> Well, and that's my next question is what do you tell other people with this diagnosis? Would that be the most significant takeaway to keep on your treatment if you have that diagnosis? Yes. And find a Lyme literate doctor. I have a fantastic one. I went, I've talked to so many different doctors and I found a really good one in Texas who actually has been dealing with Lyme himself. And so he's been fantastic. And so I always get a lot of messages on Instagram or sometimes an email and I, and I refer them to, to him because he's honestly been the one that's really helped me through this whole process. And the, um, the biggest thing of all is be your own advocate. Um, I went to doctors prior to my diagnosis and they thought it was in my head. They, they, said, I need a year break. Um, I'm just too stressed out and, you know, all this random stuff. And I just uh-huh. knew that that's not the case. You know, there's something seriously wrong with me. And so never underestimate your own gut feelings. I, I think I think if you can listen to your heart, it's it's the most important aspect of your health. Well, yes, that was around a time where a lot of our endurance athletes were being diagnosed with 
working out too much. So you easily Mm -hmm. could have slipped into that diagnosis. You know, that would have made a lot of sense on a lot of levels, especially with your career. Oh, definitely. Yep. Well, okay, so on to a little bit more fun topic. So you're still fast <laughs> at every single thing you touch, but now you're you know you're really hitting more of the gravel bike, now the mountain bike. Yep. Why and why now? Well, when I went through when when it was COVID times, um, triathlon kind of ceased to exist for a while, and also a lot of racing. And my bike sponsor Oped uh, gave me a gravel bike. And I got the gravel bike and I took it out for my very first spin. And I was, I was so excited because I just felt like a kid again. And I was like, this bike can go anywhere. And I love road riding. Um, and I put aero bars on it and I just rode all the time during COVID, like on a gravel bike and fell in love with it. Um, and then the same bike sponsor had an opportunity for me to go to unbound. And so that was my very first experience, and I had a a fantastic race, fell in love with it all over again, and um, ever since then, I've just been really, really intrigued by it. You know, mountain biking Uh is new to me. Um, I, I... I am trying to practice my skills on that, (laughs) Um, but I had the opportunity to apply for the Lifetime Grand Prix series and got in, and so... uh, when I found out that Leadville was on one of the six races, I was over the moon. I mean, I, I've always <laughs> wanted to do Leadville and it was like, here's my chance. So that actually and, really uh, excites yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. And actually, um, in our podcast, we had Rebecca rush. Oh, on how awesome. A, yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. So I met Rebecca when I was with, when I was with Red Bull, actually, we were, Okay. We did a couple of camps and testing and um, a bunch of weekends together, and she's fantastic. And she's just inspired me so much too because she started her career quite late uh, in her forties, and yes. you know she was a Leadville winner. I don't even know how many times, six times, or I, think, I can't remember. Yeah, yes, it's yeah for sure. Yeah, it's around there. I mean, amount. She... and so you know, she's just inspired me to really push the limits here on a whole new sport for me. You know, it, it's really a growing opportunity for me. And I, I, I find that it's, it's such a fun way to just mix things up. And, um, I see myself 100% going more and more into the gravel and mountain bike scene. So pretty stoked on it. <laughs> well, what a great story about how kind of mountain biking found more of its way into you. Boy, Rebecca Rush, I always say it, you know, Leadville's founded on the backs of strong women like the unsinkable Molly mm-hmm. Brown and Baby Doe Tabor. But boy, Rebecca Rush, she really, the way she reinvented herself from that eco challenge world to hating yeah. the mountain bike discipline the most and letting Red Bull give her an opportunity to turn that into gold. And boy, did yeah. she ever do that. So, okay, mm-hmm. now. Here you are like Rebecca, Leadville's found you, the mountain bikes found you, you've gave a couple small tidbits of it, but how did all these paths really come together? The biggest, I, um, all the paths that came together, I, I think I've just always been someone who's wanted to find adventure and really, you know, I started the sport of triathlon to see the world 
you know, I came from a small town in Canada, um, never really saw anywhere. And when I went to college in the States, it just, it just catapulted things to an opportunity to see what's out there. And bikes allow you to do that. I mean, I love riding a bike. Um, I actually just made an Instagram reel with all my bikes because I just wanted to showcase them all. Um, but with the gravel and the mountain bike, you can ride everywhere. And I love nature and I love climbing mountains and I love scenery. And I mean, it, again, it's like church. And so I'm mm-hmm. out there and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm with one with everything, you know, <laughs> and the bike allows you to do that. And that's, that's pretty exciting. Well, yes, it is. And you, you mentioned earlier, it was like riding like a kid again. And I, I'd yeah. really like to pull from that. First, I've got to add a disclaimer that this recording is occurring the week of the iconic Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race and will air just after. But you're currently in the top half of our lifetime Grand Prix, which is very hard to enter as a seasoned pro in each discipline. You did hint on that a little bit earlier, but can you tell us what the lifetime Grand Prix is? and where you yeah. are along that journey. Yeah, so the Lifetime Grand Prix was an opportunity to apply for six races across the country. Um, the first one uh, was Sea Otter Classic Mountain Bike Race, where I crashed twice <laughs> and actually broke my sacrum. <laughs> oh, fun. no. Uh, yeah, but um, it was manageable. Um, <laughs> but it was like, oh, gosh, this is this is going to be rough, a rough year. Um but it was, it was fine. And then it also had Unbound. It has uh, Leadville and a few other gravel races and mountain bike races. So a total of six. And there's 30 women, 30 men, and there's an opportunity for prize, prize money. It's kind of a new opportunity in the gravel and mountain bike scene, which is really fantastic. Uh, we have people that are ex-pro mountain bikers, gravel racers. We have triathletes. We have endurance um men and women and so it's really a collective crew of athletes and it's really been an awesome opportunity to just experience what this is all about and it's just fueling the fire for next year um lifetime has done a fantastic job um supporting supporting us in in the aspect of, of really having the opportunity to race these races and um yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm taking it all in this year to kind of experience what it's all about and learn a few new skills. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, next year I'm, I'm definitely, I'm this in a whole different aspect in terms of, you know, really seeing what I can do and because I've had some experience or I will have had some experience for next year. Well, yes. And well, now the last two stops of the Grand Prix, uh, the Leadville Trail 100 and the Schwamagon, um, I think are are great for you as kind of this uh, road lover crossing over. They definitely were good courses for a lot of tour folks out here. So hopefully that's something to look forward to. Um, one thing that I'd like to talk about, I'd like to get a little more into the logistics of your racing, just cause, uh, the background you're coming from, of course, you're still in a, in a hot field when you're out here, but we imagine that our race will vary quite drastically from that of your Ironmans as far as pitting is concerned. So do you have, and you mentioned that you found Leadville kind of through crewing somebody, 
Yeah. Do you have any mm-hmm. plans to use a crew or are you going to go it alone on race day? Oh, I have a crew. <laughs> I have I have a crew. <laughs> when I experienced Leadville a couple of years ago, actually, the guy that's crewing me, uh, he's a friend of mine, really a friend of mine, he was racing. And so I got to kind of see what the aspect of what this whole crewing thing was about. And mm-hmm. um, he's he's experienced Leadville a few times. Um, I have a few friends that have done it. And so I'm, I'm ready with about three different... Uh, camelbacks and fluids and nutrition and and um we're gonna scope like we're flying there actually tomorrow we're trying to fly in quite late just so that the altitude doesn't affect me so much that's actually dial in yeah the smart plan go early or late (laughs) yes yeah actually i did steamboat last year um which was an amazing race and i flew in really late and i had a great race so that's what i'm hoping for leadville too well, I'm thinking that's a, a great plan for sure. That's a strategy that a, a lot of our racers, you know, will be in a, a, a position more with a career that will force that. But it ends up helping them. Um, of course, it does help to be out real early as well. Now, will your nutrition also vary from what you were doing in the Ironmans? Like, what did you take in the Ironmans and how many calories did you try to get in an hour and what will you take in Leadville and how many calories will you try to get an hour? Yeah, um, I am with the feed actually, and they have a variety of different products and um, different nutritional um, needs that are on their site, which has been really awesome to try because I've been able to experience all different types of products. Um, I'm also with Power Bar too. And so I'm going to be using a mix of stuff. When I race Ironman, I strictly stick to gels and the sports drink, mm-hmm. which I primarily do on these events as well. But, um, you know, I really try to aim for a higher amount of carbohydrates, usually 90 grams per hour to 110. Um, I'm definitely using caffeine. <laughs> okay. The whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then I use gels. I love the power bar gels because they have a really good amount of sodium in them. Um, and I'll probably use a little bit of, um, some bars and stuff, um, just to kind of mix and match stuff. But I, I find that, you know, if you train the way that you're going to race in terms of nutritional intake, it's just, it's so much easier and your stomach can handle anything. So when I train, I train with the exact same products that I race with and it's, it helps a ton. Yeah, for sure. I've made the mistake of not doing that too many times. Now, um, Leadville actually told you earlier it was a good kind of transformative race from the road discipline over to the mountain discipline. And we're kind of these three big climbs with these road sections in the middle and as an out and back. But I've really always wanted to ask a competitive Ironman triathlete, how excited are you about drafting? In terms of triathlon or in, in, in terms of being able to do it out here in Leadville? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Actually, I've been through a few gravel races and events like that. And it's super fun to uh, find people along the race course, you know, that you can kind of work together collectively in triathlon. You can't do that. It's, it's a very right. solo individual <laughs> sport. So the great thing about Leadville is the opportunity to work as a team. Um, you know, the first part of the races are always 
scary to me. It's just a huge <laughs> chaos. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, and it's, and I really hope uh, this year is not too crazy, but I mean, I'm sure it is. Yeah, but then, you know, throughout the, throughout the race, you find your little pockets of people and, you know, they come and go and, and you pick up people or you lose people. And it's just, it's just such fun. And actually there's been a few people that I've raced in Steamboat that I've met again in another race. And we just kind of find ourselves in the race, even though we don't even start together. It's because we're pretty much the same kind of speed. Right. But it's super fun. And you find these friends along the way. And, and um, you don't get to experience that in triathlon. And so that whole vibe is, is, is awesome. I, I really, really love it. Well, yeah. I mean, what a different experience. I don't yeah. have any, any experience with the triathlon myself, but... I just think it must seem like opening your world quite a bit to say. Yeah. Now, so what do you think is your race day plan? How do you see your day unfolding? And what do you think you do? You think you can actually maturate 37 uh, Ironman time out there? You know, I don't know what to expect. However, I do know how to pace myself. Uh And I know that with altitude, there comes an attitude with it, which meaning you have to, you you have to know that altitude will affect you and you have to go in with that type of attitude. Mm -hmm. So if you can pace yourself and and not go crazy, I think, I think I'll have a good day. Um, You know, I never put out race predictions and stuff or outcomes because honestly I have no control of that. I, I just know that if I can control my nutrition and my pacing and, and just really have that as my focus. I, I think I can come out on the other side, um, in a solid result. And, you know, ultimately I want that buckle. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always a, a desire. So that's, that's a goal of mine for sure. Well, yeah, you don't come to Leadville without uh, silver and gold on the mine. That's um, for yeah. sure. Now, what exactly. are you most excited about with your Leadville journey coming up? Um, I'm going with a few friends of mine. I think going back to Colorado, I used to live in Boulder actually, and go up to the mountains quite a bit. Uh-huh. So I'm really, I'm really excited about just climbing mountains again. You know, I love climbing. And so, you know, living on the Cape in Boston, I don't get to do that. <laughs> There's no mountains. <laughs> um, I have gone to Vermont a little bit, uh, which has been fantastic, but there's nothing like going up to 10,000 feet in Leadville and seeing the beautiful views and, the landscape and um that's what i'm really excited about well it really is something what do you think you'll climb first in boulder um my favorite in boulder is left hand canyon okay good answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i used to do that on repeat all the time oh god (laughs) (laughs) Type, type a type fun Yes, exactly. Well, so now on the flip side of that coin, what do you think gives you the most nerves about your Leadville journey? Uh, The start of the race. (laughs) (laughs) Also, good answer. If you have any tips for me, I am, I am, I am listening because I find (laughs) the races, the start of these races are very different for me. You know, I start in a, in a, in a, in water and it's not as many people and having people on bikes and, and the, the mechanisms of trying to find a pace line. And I mean, it is stressful. And so yeah. I find that that is not always my favorite 
part of the race. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can give you a couple little tips. So sure. uh, we've got the corrals now and you're in a good one. Um, it feels a lot more going out of town like the very first years of the race because you okay. kind of go out in these little micro bursts of two and a half minutes each. And then you're going to be really good at pushing those watts down to that first climb. And then you mm -hmm. get to that first climb and you just ease her in and be that diesel engine that you say you are. And, and it kind of sorts itself out from there is what I think. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, actually I'm quite excited about the crowds. Um, that, that's, that's a really awesome opportunity. So, you know, they were, they were things out right away. Yeah, <laughs> they were scary for us to try, but they seem like they work really well last year. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like there was added congestion anywhere, but it was definitely more spread early on. So yeah. hopefully yeah. that will take away a little bit of that anxiety. Um, other than that, oddly, even that, like I'm always by people riding horrible lines and like mm -hmm. they still try real hard to, you know, work together and everything. We all know we're family out there and it's kind of like you said earlier about challenge, you know, you're going to challenge yourself. The good thing is that's kind of the mindset of most of the people, 98%, 99% of the people out there. And so it does give a little less tension in that pack, but you know, it's like that unbound one or, you know, the steamboat one, they're kind of similar, right? Yes. Yep. Definitely. Okay. So, uh, what has gotten you to that line in Iron Man that may not have have to call on to get you to that line in Leadville? Um, like what what do you think you're gonna have to do different in Leadville than in Iron Man to get you to that finish line? Uh, Iron Man, you know, you have to really pace yourself a bit more on the bike because you have a marathon to do, right? Uh -huh. of, of running. And so my my mindset i think going into this race is you know pushing a little bit extra than rather than settling into this kind of long diesel engine pace uh which i tend to do in ironman so having that little push and mentally saying okay you know you can give a little bit more uh -huh. um i think that's what's gonna be the main mindset and then also when you have a group of people um, trying to stay with them a little bit longer um, versus, you know, doing a, it on your own, it's, it's sometimes a challenge to ride in a group because everyone feels good or bad in different times of the race. Uh -huh. And so when you feel good, take advantage. And when you don't try to get on someone's <laughs> wheel. So that's, that's, that's kind of working within the crew of that family orientation. And then also really doing your part as well um, to make it yes. happen. Yes, I think that's great advice for both you as an athlete or anybody we're talking to. Um, well, I, yeah, Angela, I can't thank you enough for sitting down with me today and the time you shared with me. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with your Leadville family before I let you go? Uh, if you if you are a female or um, uh, see yourself as a female person. I would love to have you on our girls get gritty team. We are looking at doing many events and activations next year. And we're all about the gravel and mountain bike scene, all inclusive. 
it's a fantastic group of women um and it's just been super fun to help support each other so check that out and hopefully i'll see you on sometime either pre-race or post-race <laughs> i know there's I heard there's a great post-race party, actually, so I'm quite looking forward to that. (laughs) Well, that's supposed to be even. (laughs) It's going to be bigger and better this year. So absolutely, we'll see you before, after, and I don't think I'll see you in between. I think I'll be trying to catch your will, but I hope you have a great day out there. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay, Leadville family, as exciting as that was, I've got quite the surprise for you. Tomorrow, we are going to release part two of this episode, and it's going to include what Angela's time was like on race day, and it's also going to include what Angela's going to do when she prepares to head to Leadville in the future. So I guess you can say she's caught that Leadville bug. Until then, don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.